0: Hello, everyone. I'm Walker Smith, class of 21, here with...
1: My name's Bill Arnold, and I'm class of 1986.
0: It's great talking to Mr. Arnold. So for those of you who don't know, Mr. Arnold has been with us in many capacities throughout the year, from upper school head, government teacher, U.S. history teacher. Am I missing any?
1: Yeah, I've, I've been... Uh, I was the associate director of development, associate director of uh, admissions, <laughs> uh, and I've, I've served as dean of... of 12th grade and and dean of 9th grade as well.
0: Awesome. So I think the first question people want to really understand is how do we go from young Mr. Arnold sitting in Virginia Military Institute to the Mr. Arnold that sits with us today?
1: Yeah, it's been a crooked path as as is the case for most 53-year-olds. I graduated from Country Day in 1986 and made application to several schools, was accepted to uh, the U.S. Military Academy at West Point and Virginia Military Institute, um, was medically disqualified uh, from going to West Point due to a, a high-frequency hearing loss in my left ear, which I didn't know about at the time. Uh, but fortunately, uh, I passed the medical exam for, for Virginia Military Institute, and uh, and went there for a couple of reasons, one, because of its reputation as a, with its history department, but also uh, the fact that, that VMI, uh, since 1839, has a, a great track record of preparing uh, young, young people for commissioned service in the military. So, because so I, I, my, my dream, since I was probably eight or nine years old, was, was to be a, an officer uh, in, in the U.S. military. My father and five generations of my family had, had fought in, in wars and, and so I felt a little bit as though it was a, a, a legacy uh, for me. Uh, I got to VMI, majored in history, uh, received a marine scholarship, uh, which was very important to me. Uh, growing up, I was a teacher's kid uh, and so uh, the Marine Corps paid for my college um, and had a great experience at VMI. VMI is a, a challenging place. It's a military college that relies on the, what's known as the adversative method of education, which has fallen out of favor with some. Um, it's, it's a physically and emotionally challenging process, but, uh, but I feel like I benefited greatly from it. I enjoyed it. Uh, graduated uh, from VMI with a bachelor's degree in history Uh, Was commissioned a second lieutenant in the U.S. Marines. And uh, right after college, I I spent six months at Quantico, Virginia, uh, training uh, to be a Marine officer. I spent four months uh, at Fort Knox, Kentucky, uh, training to be a tank officer. And then my wife and I uh, lived for uh, four years in, in Southern California, two and a half years at uh, Camp Pendleton, uh, California, near Oceanside, and then a year and a half or so, about two years, I guess, um, in 29 Palms, California, uh, which is out in the Mojave Desert. Um, at the end of my four-year commitment, uh, you know, I, I discerned what I wanted to do with my life. Did I want to stay in the military or did I want to pursue some other profession and um, made the decision, uh, I guess that was 1994, uh, to separate from the Marine Corps uh, and pursue a, a career uh, teaching school. Uh, I don't remember exactly why or when uh, I made the decision to be a teacher. My mother had been a teacher. I had spent a lot of my time actually in the Marine Corps uh, teaching Marines. I found that, that, that I found trying to distill complex things into, into more practical Uh, Terms was something that I enjoyed. It was something that I felt that I was was pretty good at, and so um, in '94 I made application to schools around Fort Worth. I was uh, offered a a teaching position at Trinity Valley and at Country Day. Uh, Made the decision to come back to Country Day mainly uh, because uh, I was offered a high school or upper school teaching job. Trinity Valley had offered me a job teaching uh, in the middle school. Uh, And I compared the two and realized that I wanted to to be a high school teacher. Yep. And And so that was 27 years ago. And so (laughs) I've done a lot of uh, different different things here at Country Day and have found my time here uh, incredibly fulfilling, both professionally and my family. My three children have graduated from the school. My wife's a faculty member in the middle school, so... Uh, it didn't. It didn't take long to to find a home here, and I, quite frankly, I've had uh, many opportunities to take jobs at other schools in other states and so forth. But uh, but I've never never left the school because I've I've never stopped having fun.
0: So I know that at one point during your uh, teaching career here, you left to go serve the Marine Corps again. Yeah.
1: Thank you for for asking that. Yeah, I neglected to say that I was completely out of the Marine Corps from about 1998. Uh, when I got out of the reserves, I was a reserve officer up to that point and then uh after the events of september eleventh two thousand and one um, decided to get back in the marines. Uh, I specifically remember the the evening it was a tuesday evening september eleventh i was my wife and i of course had been watching the television most of the day, and we were actually in bed watching t v and um uh, like so many Americans or so many people around the world, it was a very emotional time. And I, I recall she leaned over in the bed and she said, uh, you're you're a good Marine. Uh you know, I, I think the the country needs you or something like that. I don't remember the exact wording. And so over the next month or so I really thought about whether or not uh you know, I felt a calling uh, to get back in the Marines. Now if you if you were to get in a time machine and go back to those days, of course you're you're a little young for that. Uh, one of the things that was that I recall very clearly was that President Bush and others had put out a what I would call say a call to service, you know, asking Americans to do whatever they could do uh to try to help repair the nation. And uh and so I, I decided that one thing I could do was was uh was continue my military service. And so I found a prior service recruiter. I signed back up Um, in 2000, I guess, two I was given command of uh, reconnaissance or a scout platoon uh, unit, uh, which was headquartered in Amarillo, Texas. And so from 2002 and 2003, uh, you know, I traveled uh, up to Amarillo at least once a month, um, sometimes more than that uh, training, uh, my, my Marines, for the eventuality of some kind of deployment. Uh, in, in March of, of 2003, the United States invaded Iraq. And at that time, things really picked up for us there. Uh, and then about a year later, in, in, I guess, May of 2004, I was actually teaching a government class. Uh, if you don't mind me telling this yeah. quick quick story, I was, I was teaching a government class in what is now Mr. Davis's classroom. That was my classroom at the time. And it was about, oh, I don't know, 3.15 in the afternoon, and my phone rang on my desk. And I picked it up, and it was the, the colonel of our battalion, which was headquartered in California. And he notified me at that time. He said, Major Arnold, you're going to—or maybe I was a captain at that time, I don't remember. But he said, uh, you need to notify your Marines that, that you're going to deploy uh, to to Iraq. And so— I was a little taken aback. I put him on hold. I told my students, I said, hey, I'll let you go a little bit early. Um, they they were curious about why I was letting him go, but I said, you know, we can talk later, and they left, and I locked the door and talked to the colonel, and he said, um, yeah, you're, you're going to go to Iraq, and so I thanked him. I hung up. I called my wife. <laughs> I remember that conversation very clearly. I said, you know, honey, I am just got the call. And and we're going to deploy to Iraq, and uh, and I, I sp- remember her on the other end of the phone. She said, uh, "It's going to be all right because you're strong," and, and and we hung up. And I walked over to the principal's office, Dr. John O'Reilly at the time, and said, "Hey, John, I I, I need a sub." And he said, "Were well, you going to be gone tomorrow?" And I said, "No, I'm going to be gone next year. So we need to try to find a substitute that can step in for me, uh, for for a." for for the next school year and so then we walked over to the headmaster's office his name was Evan Peterson at that time and and I remember telling Evan that I was going to be deploying and uh, he he hugged me and and he said Bill I, I don't know what the future holds but if if the worst happens uh, you, you need to know that country day is going to take care of your children and you'll you'll never have you'll never have to pay uh, for their education. So uh, he didn't say the words if you get killed, but but what he meant was is that that if I was killed there, uh, the school would would make sure that uh, my children would would graduate. At that time, I had a sixth grader, a third grader, and my daughter was getting ready to enter kindergarten. So part of my loyalty to the school uh, is 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 directly, uh, related to the fact that Mr. Peterson was, was so compassionate uh, uh, when when I deployed. So that was in May. Um, I deployed, uh, I trained in California for three months over the summer, and then we deployed to Fallujah, Iraq. Got there in, in early September of 2004 and uh, fought a couple of battles there. I was engaged in, I don't know, 70 or some odd uh, individual battles. Uh, firefights there uh it was it was a kinetic environment it was you can read about it Uh, there's a lot of books and and wikipedia things and the second battle of Fallujah, uh, i think is still considered to be the you know largest battle that the marine corps fought in since maybe there was one battle in vietnam that was bigger but it's a you know significant uh event uh survived it and uh came home in april of 2005 um took a couple of months off and started back teaching uh in august and i guess that that was when i served the year i got back i served as the interim upper school head for a year because our our principal had just recently left and so um i was the interim for for the 2005 2006 year and then resumed my teaching and have been um been here ever since.
0: Yeah, I'd like to thank you for telling that part of your story. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, it's definitely honorable to return to service after you've already um, served your country for the stint that you were required to, or that you had indebted to the Marine Corps for your college. So,
1: yeah, there's a lot of ways to serve. That just happened to be yeah. my way.
0: <laughs> so I guess the more lighthearted, yeah, thing that we have is. The students want to know, has there been another lobster moth incident? Has your truck been free from infestation?
1: <laughs> you know what? That that was a that was a, a, a significantly traumatic event, you know. I, it driving to school one day I pulled down the the sun visor and there was a I don't know what kind of moth it was. A, a lobster moth. A I lobster believe. moth, I guess. It flew into my eye and um, you know that story it was funny. I, I like to I'm. i actually. Peop, I think people oftentimes misunderstand that I, I actually do have a sense of humor, and uh, and that was one of those things that just caught on and, and developed a life of itself. And I think it was Christopher Hoppe that developed mm-hmm. some kind of uh, computer generated uh, lobster moth. <laughs> but I haven't. I haven't seen another lobster moth, and I, I don't think that uh, that was such a unique experience in that particular classroom at that particular time. I don't think that uh, I've seen anything like that since. That was fun. Yeah, that was great.
0: So they would also like to know what's your favorite memory from a DC trip.
1: Oh goodness gracious! Probably my favorite memory is one that is is so solely wacky. We used to in, in government we used to read this book, uh, All the President's Men. I don't know if they still read it or not, but there was a significant episode in the book where, um, uh, one of the reporters, Bob Woodward, used to meet one of his. Um, Sources in a parking garage. The parking garage is across the river in the Roslyn area of Washington, or it's actually in Virginia. And it was this clandestine meeting, and uh, his source, Deep Throat, you know, used to provide him information so that that would sort of lead him toward uh, the direction he was going. And well, we found out where that was—that parking garage—and a bunch of us, or a couple of teachers. I know Ms. Wallace was there. I know Mr. Fardo was there. I think those were the two. I can't remember the others. But we figured out where where this parking garage was, and it's still used as a parking garage. And so, it was uh, it was the night that students were in Georgetown having dinner and touring around, sort of free time. And there are a whole bunch of other chaperones, so we we didn't worry about it too much. But what we did is we hopped on a on the metro, and we took the metro uh, into into Virginia. Uh, I had a kind of a gps thing on my map and so we hunted for this parking garage and we finally found it and we found the actual location where bob woodward used to meet with this source And there was actually a sticker on the on the pillar in the in the parking garage we had the best time took a bunch of pictures um they, they've since torn down the parking garage and they've built a you know a, a Skyscraper there or something, but uh, anyway, that was a fun time. And, and there's just, you know, it's a challenge when you when you ask about one specific time. I do remember another time we were on a bus and we were going up to see the Marine Corps Memorial, or what's known as the Iwo Jima Memorial. And the and the kid that was the tour guide, you know, the the he kept calling it Marine Corps, <laughs> and he kept saying it over and over. And I was sitting there going, dude, it's not a corpse, it's a corps, you know. And then, uh, and then we got out and we had a chance to. So just millions of them. You know, that's a wonderful trip, and it's fun to see kids outside of school. Plus, it's fun to hang out with our fact, you know, faculty. And this tea and all those people are, are so much fun when you can kind of get out and let your hair down a little bit. It's fun.
0: Yeah. So, being a marine, you were no stranger to honor, courage, and commitment. How do you think Country Day instills those values in students and prepares them for the real world?
1: That's a good question. I. First of all, I'm not, I've been a little... Un, I don't even know what real world means because everybody's world is different. You know, everybody... We all live in the real world, are just uh, the sense of reality. But, but I think Country Day, you know, you talked about honor, courage, and commitment, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I, th- I think students, whether they recognize it at the time or not, are, are learning those things because the level of trust that we have here with one another... I haven't locked my classroom door in 27 years, and, and I haven't had anything stolen. Um, uh, I, I think that the relationship that the professional relationship that teachers have with one another, the professional relationship that that teachers have with with other adults on the staff and things like that, I think it's modeling in its supreme form. I honestly can't think of the hundreds of folks that i that I've been with uh that that I didn't think were were great people likewise i i can't think of of a student honestly i i don't know how many thousands of students i've taught i've really enjoyed the presence of every single one of them and i think that sense of um being around good people leads to being a good person I, I honestly believe that. And I think one of the things that I think is neat about your capstone project is you probably, all these people that you're interviewing, one of the things you're you're probably learning is, is how accomplished everyone is. Everyone has a, a really rich history and a really rich story uh, of where they came from and, and who their families were and what their backgrounds are and so, so forth. So, So I'm convinced that a young person trying to figure out who they are are trying to figure out what good is needs to emulate, try to emulate someone else until they develop who they are, and I think that, that that there are so many good teachers and coaches and staff members here at the school. Uh, I, I think you, I think kids just have a, a wonderful set of role models, you know, uh, in in which to try to be like I'm not suggesting I'm one of those people but every student that graduates from the school has come into contact with people that routinely display honest courage and commitment without actually looking in the eye and saying I'm being courageous or I'm being committed or I'm being honorable and so I think that that human connection the relationships that are formed here probably is is doing the good work of that uh, even though you probably don't even recognize it at least that's that's what I I think. That's yeah. what I believe.
0: So our last question here is, uh, General Mattis has attributed a lot of his military success to um, his large library. Mm. He says that reading is one of the main reasons why he's won so many battles. Uh, you're also known for your large library. Mm-hmm. You guys can't see what I'm looking at, but I'm looking at a stack of books here, and I <laughs> know back in his other office he has mm-hmm. many bookshelves full. Uh, so do you think that you could expound on how that love of reading and books has driven your successful teaching career?
1: Yeah. Uh, you might find this interesting... Uh, that I that I, I didn't enjoy reading until I was an adult. Honestly, mm-hmm. uh, but but now I can't. You know, I I frequently joke about the fact that you know what I'll I'll die long before I have the opportunity to read ten percent of the books I like to read. Reading gives me comfort. You know, read in a lot of ways, reading history is sort of painless experience, right? Um, and I I just have always found. The human experience incredibly fascinating, and particularly nonfiction. I, I think I think there are nonfiction examples that that are much more sort of fascinating than fiction, even. Um. And so, but I'm notorious about I'll, I'll have six or seven books going on simultaneously because my my reading list has a lot to do with my mood. <laughs> You know, if I'm feeling contemplative, or I'm feeling happy, or if I'm feeling sad, or if I'm feeling uh, confused, if I'm feeling um, uh, insecure, you know, things like that. But, but one of the things that you probably—and I've never done this—but I'm thinking through it. If 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 I look through all the the books that that I have, um, probably the common denominator in all of them and I'm looking around while, while I'm speaking, uh, is that they probably all involve people who either displayed or conversely didn't display uh, physical or emotional courage. You know, I've always had a lot of respect for uh, the display of physical and emotional courage. And I think, yeah, it's prob- probably the case as I'm looking around. And so I... I I always have, have always believed that, um, you know, you know, we need, we need to improve ourselves, uh, academically or spiritually or physically and, uh, learning about how others have done that. Because I also suspect that if, as I look through these book lists, pro- probably many of the challenges we, we're facing were the same ones that they've faced, maybe in a different era. But, uh, but life's a struggle, you know. Moving from daylight to dark, uh, trying to get through the day, all of us are, are faced with thousands and thousands of choices. All of us are, are faced with uh, th- thousands of challenges, and, and we all need help trying to negotiate life. Uh, and reading helps me, or it gives me a chance to learn how other people have uh, negotiated their lives. And so, yeah. The t- time spent reading is, is never been time wasted for me. So also, by the way, I like to loan out my books. So if anybody listening to this <laughs> wants to come borrow a book, uh, books don't do us any good sitting on the shelf. Uh, we, we need to read. So that's how I'd answer that. Yep.
0: I want to say thank you so much for taking the time to let me interview you. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Uh, I know, uh, I personally have gained a lot from the time that I spent in your class, the, uh, academics that we did along with your story times all of those I think about on a regular occasion and uh, <laughs> a
1: lot of story times like a that.
0: lot of story times but they were all valuable and yeah. I think uh helped yeah. to make the class of 21 into what it is I good. think your good. influence on us has been good appreciate it thank your time good. again so, No, it's a
1: pleasure I I, uh, I wish you the best on your capstone I think it's a fantastic project I love the whole capstone idea and anytime somebody captures the the stories of others I think it's uh It's a worthwhile project, so appreciate it. Thank you for, you. for giving me the time.